This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful that you are here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids. And my hope is that you will find a place where you feel a little bit less alone. And you also can come here for information and things that you can take with you for your everyday life as well as big picture life as well. I have a really awesome guest today. You are listening to episode 13 and I'm talking with Gina Wilder. Gina is the mother of four from Dallas, Texas, originally from Haiti. And she shares all about her life with her four kids on Instagram over at Gina Wilder, J-E-E-N-A Wilder. Of their four kids, her and her husband have three biological children and one child through adoption. And we hear all about that process and what that looked like for their family in this episode. This was also a transracial adoption. So we get to hear about Gina's experience being a black mother to three biracial children and one white child in this episode. She has a heart for adoption. She's an adoption advocate and and she's going to share why she's so passionate about that in this conversation. She's also going to talk to us about how she talks to her own children about race. This is a conversation that we should all be having with our kids at a very early age and Gina's going to give you some tips for how to do that well. If you love this conversation or any of the episodes you've heard on this podcast, please consider taking just a moment to leave us a rating and review wherever you are listening and sharing this with any of your parent friends or people you know that are helping raise children. Let Gina know on social media as well what you thought of this episode. All right. And one little note, I recorded this via Zoom and I am used to recording through Skype and the audio just isn't as great as it normally is, but I think it's still just fine. I just wanted to give a disclaimer that it's going to be a little bit different than what you're used to. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Gina Wilder. All right. Well, today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Gina Wilder to the show. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. I found you on Instagram and I've been following along. (laughs) I was cracking up at your most recent homeschool video when you were like throwing the cards. (laughs) It was hilarious. Thank you. Yeah. So it's really funny because it's like, I love dancing and we're doing what a lot of other families are doing this year, which we're going uh, into homeschooling. And I thought, you know what, let me just, let me just be the silly mom that I am and just make a really funny um, little, little reel. And it was really, it was awesome. But then also there was some negative feedback as well, which was crazy to me because like, it was just, it was really frustrating because it just didn't make any sense where people were like, I can't believe this. You're so wrong. I've even had people who try to tag like Dallas PD. And so it was, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw a couple negative comments. I'm like, what is happening here? I, it's just like, I feel like the internet, somebody's always going to take something the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it is I like being a black woman. I think I've dealt with like a lot of negative comments and being in a racial marriage, I've dealt with a lot of like negative comments. And so I don't like in a way I've kind of gotten used to it. And there are always days where some of the comments just 
hit a nerve because you might be having a bad day. But I think I think I've just learned that when people are behind a screen, they feel like they have the power to type whatever they would like to. And so things that they normally wouldn't say in front of someone, they may think, but they normally wouldn't say. Now they feel like they can totally say it. And I know that whatever I say online, I would say in person. These people yes. don't feel that way. Right. They feel like, oh, well, I can say whatever and then I don't have to own up to it because no one's going to know it's me in a way. I mean, I think in the times that we live in right now, if you think that that's completely wrong, because we've seen people who thought that their words when it come to get them, bite them in the butt a couple years later. And so I just feel like, you know what, that so they're going to pay for that on their own time. I'm just going to continue to do me and continue to be, try to be a positive for other people, positive light for other people. Let's talk about your family. You mentioned you have a multiracial family and that's one of the things I really want to talk about, your adoption journey, all of that. First question though, are you doing the homeschool thing like an e-learning program or are you doing it all on your own? All on my own. Um, I... So we did, we, our kids have been, in, were in public school, and then we did the e-learning, the virtual learning, and within about a week or two, I knew it was not for me. Okay. My husband was like, hey, my husband has wanted to homeschool from pretty much we got married. His, his So he, his stepmom has homeschooled his siblings for about 15 years. And when we decided that we wanted kids, he was like, oh, let's do it. So I've researched it for years. And then and then with coming of like, well, the times that we are in right now, it was kind of like, ah, uh, okay, like if I'm ever going to do it, this will definitely be the time to do it. And um, I, with the help of just a lot of research and then the help of my mother-in-law, we were able to find a really good curriculum, which I had to do a lot of curriculum. So um, we pulled from different places where we, we've done black history. We've done, uh, we're doing Haitian Creole. We've done, uh, we're doing like the traditional um, like social studies and then math and science. We have art and we're going to try to add music. So we're going to try to see if we could find someone who could teach our kids piano, come to our and play, uh, teach them piano. And so we're doing the homeschool thing. I can't do the virtual learning. I think I know here's my issue. I know teachers are trying really, really hard, but they're being dropped with something that they like, they haven't had time to plan with planet and I know it's hard for them because they're trying to do what the what their state is telling them what they are required to teach and they're doing it in a different way that most of them haven't had time to prepare and so it's not it's translate the like not them not being able to prepare has been translated to what we're given and parents are frustrated and teachers are frustrated because it's not what they, it's not like, it's not their traditional way of teaching. It's not like this is what they know, how they've been taught to teach. And so everyone's frustrated across the board. And so I just thought, you know what, if, if I can have three less kids not go to school and three less kids that teachers don't have to worry about and just try try homeschooling for a year. If I hate it, which right now I'm loving it. Oh, I, I, love I, that. I was hoping I was going to hate it so I could tell my husband <laughs> I hate it 
So, you know, you can't bug me about homeschooling no more. Like, I, you know, I've got a lot of I talent. Tried. <laughs> the Heavenly Father gave me a lot of talent. The homeschooling's not it. But homeschooling, <laughs> one of those things where I'm just like, I organized this crap way too well. And <laughs> now my husband is like super excited about my kids learning new languages and learning new stuff. And then I've planned the schedule where I'm able to not only work, but my kids are enjoying it where they have breaks and they're not sitting in front of a screen all day. And so talk to me in a couple months, but we've been doing this for about a month now and I'm, I'm, uh, we're doing okay. Like I have stressful days like any other mom and there are days where I'm just like, I don't want to do this, but I like it and I like the freedom behind it. And I don't even want to say it. So if my husband ever hears this, I might just bleep out <laughs> and just like, much and I don't need you to hear it but I'm loving homeschooling oh that's so cool yeah I saw um you post on your stories a video of one of your daughters learning Haitian Creole and I think that is so so cool I've thought about that too because it is true like you said the teachers are doing the best they can but this isn't mm-hmm. what they were trained to do this isn't the kind of schooling mm-hmm. they were trained to do there are teachers that were trained to do virtual schooling but these teachers yeah and the public schools weren't they are, and and there's no blame in it. Like we, no. I mean, like I, like you said, there are teachers who were taught to teach children online or teach like high school students or college students online. But most teachers weren't taught to teach children online. They were taught in person, so you could read your children's body language and know, like, you get to know them and like the, all that plays in how you teach your child. I know that I've volunteered in classes. I have enough friends who are teachers. All them being in person and like being surrounded by peers, like they feed off of each other. So it's not only the student off of the teacher, but it's the student off of their peers. And so doing it behind a computer where mostly these kids are like, they've learned how to watch a movie and do simple games, but not how to navigate a whole lesson. And I am waiting for the time that things can get back to normal, if ever things ever get back to normal, so that, you know, teachers can kind of feel like, have a breather and be able to teach the way that they want to teach. Yeah. So you have four kids. And so are you one in second, two in first? Is that what that looks like? And then your three-year-old? Yeah. So we have one in second and then two, my twins are in first grade. And then I have my three-year-old who's still home with me. Uh, I salute you for doing this at home by yourself while your husband's at work because we have four kids and our second and kindergarten are here and we're facilitating their e-learning. But my husband's also working from home. So he's also available to help. And we sent our one and two or our two and three year old to daycare. So I salute you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Like it's, I've been really lucky. My kids we so we like I love schedules and so in the morning they they have like we do a lot of like schedules and and some days it's great and some days it's not I don't I don't want anyone think I'm a superwoman because it's just like it's hard it's really really hard and there are times where I'm like okay today we're just doing we're just watching a bunch of educational videos and so it is a lot but it's so worth it it's just so worth it I don't I mean other than that it's just like I'm, it, my twins are really great. They play with each other a lot. And so like, even right now, my kids are watching a movie and one is like learning about, like about Michelangelo, Michelangelo and wanting to do soap, like sculptures. So it's, it's hard, but it's, it's awesome. 
She has four kids under her roof right now while she does this podcast. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> with, with no other adults luring them out of the room. Um, talk to us about your family, though, because I read somewhere that you always wanted a big family. Now you have four kids. Talk to us about starting your family. So, yeah. So when um, Drew, I came from a pretty big family and then Drew was one out of three and then his dad remarried and had two more kids. And so we came from pretty relatively big families. Uh, I just knew like I wanted a big family. I knew that I wanted to be a mom. And then I also knew that I wanted to adopt. And so Drew, actually, his family is built by adoption. His mom's adopted his aunt is adopted and then his biological grandmother was adopted as well. And so when he knew, like, he was like, okay, as a kid, he's like, I pretty much knew I would want to be like my grandfather and um, wanted to adopt just like him. And so when we got married, it wasn't even a question of like, Hey, do you want to adopt? Hey, do you want to adopt? It was kind of like, Hey, I want to adopt. Which way do you want to go about it? And so, um, we pretty much decided at the beginning of our marriage that we wouldn't go looking for it. We we prayed about it and it and we just got the feeling like it would come to us, which is exactly what happened. And so we had our first two and we had them relatively close. They're about 14 months apart. Oh, that's and close. Then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was oh, it was re- it was really shocking because I think when our son was about five months old, we found out we were pregnant again. And so I'm like, I'm nursing and I'm just like I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're having another. And then we waited about four more years. And then we had our third, our little baby, uh, Cal. And then um, when Cal was about six months, um, we pretty much got contacted and was like, um, we have a family, you have a family member who uh, her parents are in jail. And um, it was just kind of like a, if she doesn't, if she doesn't, if she's not able to come with you, live with you guys, she might be going into the system. We don't know what will happen, but it was just, we were just kind of like, okay, we know that this is our opportunity. We just do it. And um, we were, it was hard because we tried it. It, it was just really hard because she is a kin, she is, it's a kinship adoption. And so she's related to us. And so there are other family members who were just kind of like, Hey, you know, you're not her mom, you're her aunt. Um, Drew's not her dad, it's her uncle. It's just kind of like that kind of thing. And so we still deal with some of that. But it's been really nice because her not only is she my daughter, but she's related to my kids. And so like a lot of people we get a lot of messages. She looks very similar to your other kids. And I'm like, Well, I hope so. Like she's <laughs> <laughs> she's related to us and so it's really nice because not only is she my daughter but when she grows up she'll feel that she'll feel she won't I don't, I'm hoping that she won't feel like lost like who is my family because she still has the same grandparents as my kids um she still you know, she still gets to know her family and she gets to know where she's biologically from and so it, it's been it, it's been the best because being her mother has taught me so, so much. She's taught me so much about myself, who I am as like, just as a person, but as a mother as well. And yeah, how do you guys talk to her about that? I was just listening to another podcast and it was the mom is she's a foster mom. And she recently a year and a half ago adopted one of her foster children and um, she was just talking about how they've talked about the fact that he's adopted right from the start. 
we knew from the beginning we were we're going to be honest with our kids. We, me and my husband have this like we feel like being honest with your kids saves you a lot of hurt in the end. Um, not having to have your, to reteach your kids something or relearn something or having them relearn something. And so obviously, I think she would have figured out pretty soon that she was adopted having a black mom and me and then her being white. I know she would have realized something was different eventually. But we uh, we we did talk about it in the very beginning. We were very open with her. And we also teach her that this is her narrative. And so if she wants to tell people that she's adopted or if she wants to like however she wants to talk to or how much she wants to explain about her life, like what happened and how it came to about, we let her like kind of dictate that. And so we, we, yeah, we, we've talked, we talk about adoption a lot. We, my kids also too, they know when we adopted our daughter, the biggest thing was like, they were telling everyone, we just adopt, she's ours forever. And so we're like, it was awesome. But we're also like, look, this is her story. If she wants to talk about it, that's great. So remember that too. Be respectful of your sister because she might not want everyone to know or she might want everyone to know. Let's remember to respect our sister and, you know, let her like start if she wants to talk about it. But it's nice too because I think, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I have one kid, one of my kids who are like, I'm definitely going to adopt. I'm going to be just like Aww. mommy and dad. Because I, I want to be able to have more, like, more kids and lots of kids. And it's just, it's nice because I want to know there's so many different ways to become a mother. And this is just one of the many, many ways. Okay, so you mentioned you're black, your husband's white, you have biracial children, you have a white daughter. Talk to us about this multiracial family, what it's like to be a black mother of a white daughter, um, show our listeners what this looks like. I think maybe the maybe little differences that we would have is maybe when I go pick, I know when we moved to a new town, we moved here to Dallas, um, we had some kids who I would go pick them up from school. I would walk to the school, pick them up and they'd be like, this is your mom. So that might be the little differences where the kids are just like, they they think of like the traditional of matching matching and so if they if there's a white child there should be a white mom or white dad and so if i go to pick her up you i usually get a couple kids like hey is that your mom that's not your mom and then usually kids will figure out like so then you know because they're blunt so wait a second does that mean you're adopted and she'll she's always like yep i and and it's so i i mean there's like get those but then most of the time like I feel like we do like to vacation like any other family we like to do like all, all other normal stuff but then like I said we do have a lot of things that are different like I've had people follow me in the store because they feel like hmm something doesn't seem right and so instead of instead of maybe striking up a conversation or just listening to her because she's a lot of because my, my daughter is loud like she has the cutest high-pitched voice and she'll be like mommy I like my sister's bothering me you know kind of thing <laughs> and instead of just waiting to just to see how we interact they automatically will just make assumptions and follow me or or start like having someone like having an official person call or whatever and so it's hard those those are maybe like the similarities and differences where 
we have and it, yeah but it's also some a lot of the things that i've been used to just because we are i'm because me and my husband are in a racial marriage i'm used to the looks i'm used to the stares it's just been i think it's a little more difficult because i kind of assumed that they would happen when i was with my husband just because i know there are people who don't agree with interracial marriage i never thought that I would get them being a mom in an interracial, like transracial adoption, because I, I feel like there aren't a lot of white parents who adopt black children who get people like get people following them or like calling sure. the police. But then as a black mom, I get them. I get the looks. I get the people who are following me where I have to turn around like, excuse me, I need you to stop following me. And so it's just, yeah, we get a lot of those. And, but then also, too, I get the days where she might fall or her tummy hurts and she'll just call me mommy. And, like, I feel like those are, like, the normal moments. And Or where she's driving me coconuts because she wants to pick on her sister. I feel like those are the normal moments, too. And so I feel like we have the normal moments where it's just, like, a like whatever you would think of a traditional family. And then we also get the ones that you don't think of in a transracial adoption or in a multicultural family. Can you talk to us about talking to your kids about race? It's so important to not avoid talking about it and not just assume mm -hmm. that everybody knows one thing or the next. And so um, how do you talk to your kids about it and what's your advice to the listeners? So we talk about it very early on. Um, we, and we don't skirt around it either because I think, I don't think we have the choice of skirting around it. Uh, being black and then having a white husband, like our kids learn very early on that, oh wow, like mommy and daddy's skin is very different. And we, I think the way you approach it is really, really important. Where if you're like, yeah, stop, don't talk about that. Yeah, we're different, but... And there are people who do that. That is, you're teaching your kid that there's something shameful about talking about race where it shouldn't be shame. It should be something that's celebrated. And we celebrate in our home. Like, I know a lot of people will tell me, like, well, you're telling, like, I think I talked about uh, my daughter and her being white and how um, we, we celebrate all races, including my daughter who is white. And they said, well, you shouldn't celebrate it because of white supremacy. And I said, I am never going to teach my daughter to be shameful of her being white. Mm. White privilege isn't about making me, me making you feel guilty about something. I can't do anything with your guilt. It, there's nothing I can do with your guilt. But if you recognize your white privilege it will not only help you realize the things that you maybe didn't see, but it, hopefully it'll help you realize that maybe the things that you can do to change it. And so me celebrating my daughter white, like her being white, isn't trying to make, make her feel pride. Like, mm. or how can they word this? It's not trying to make her feel pride over one other race. It's just her learning to love herself. Just like how I would tell my daughter to love her, my biracial children to love their skin and love who they are. I'm definitely going to tell my white daughter that too. And it's not going to, I'm not teaching them to love her own race more than the other. I'm just telling her to love herself, love who she is, and that includes her race, but to also love other people and their, their color, their skin, and their race, and love all people. And so we talk about race, we make it a, we make it a very loving 
and we 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 don't want it to make it too much of a big deal but we also don't we don't want it to make it a big deal where it seems like it's hush hush we talk about it and it's shameful we we make we have fun activities we read books we do all of it and we feel like our kids feel comfortable talking about each other's race their skin color their hair we talk about it all and like i think that's a really fun thing is like when our daughters will compare each other we're like hey i have black hair and it's curly I have blonde hair and it's straight. And I'm like, well, that's great. Well, mommy has curly hair and it's black, but it's a, it's a lot more curlier than yours. We're all different, but we're all family. Like, and we say that all the time. Like, does, do we have to match to be family? No, we don't. Um, but, but we are family and it, we don't have to match. And so one of, some of the things, I think the advice that I could say to give other families is to talk about it right? But before you even talk about it, realize that you should be doing things yourself so that when that, by the time that they talk to you about it, they should be like, oh, mom, we already know. Like that's the response you should be getting from your children when it comes time to talk to them about race, to have the talk where they should be like, mom, I know we should all look at people as the same. And yes, I know, mommy, I do have friends of different races. Stop, mom. I know. That's the response I would hope that my children have when, when we get when we start having the conversation about race even more as they get older. Because when when they're saying stuff like that, like, oh, we know, right? And they're getting annoyed, it's like, mom, you it's we've already seen your actions. We already see that you have mm-hmm. friends of different races. And so before you even have the talk with them, I think that you should be showing them in many different ways by the friends that you invite them to their your your kids' birthday parties or your own friends. Like, look at your own friends. Are your friends diverse? Making sure that if you can, like, having your kids be in different parts of, like, clubs and groups. Are there, the clubs and groups in their sports, are they diverse? If they're not, can, can you speak up and see if, they, if there's something that can be done to make it changed? And so... I think the best advice I can give is like, make sure that you're having, before you're having the talk, that they see visual cues mm. of inclusive. I love that. And I, it's so beautiful the way you talk about talking to your kids about celebrating who they are. Your Instagram post about your daughters playing with the dolls and one of your daughters says like, oh, you can't be Belle because you have darker skin. Can you just mm-hmm. share that conversation and that what you went in and talked to them about after the fact and just, because we, as parents, we walk in on hearing our kids saying things and we're like, where did they get yeah. that? Where did that come from? And knowing how to, I don't know if remedy is the right word, but like jump in and teach, make those moments teachable moments can sometimes be difficult. So can you just share about that? Yeah. So um, this must've been earlier this year. Um, and, and I don't even want to say who, which kid said it because yeah. I don't think it really mattered. Um, and, and I think it doesn't matter because I think somehow all kids, even with m- me and Drew talking to our children about, you can be whoever you want to, what would you like, you know, I think all kids end up picking up, picking it up somewhere. And so we just had one of our girls and they were all playing and we have, so many dress-up clothes. It's, we have a ridiculous <laughs> amount of dress-up clothes. And I just hear one of my daughters say, oh, well, I want to be, I want to be this person and you be this person. 
and I don't remember who she said which princess to be. And one of my daughters said, well, I want to be Belle. And one of my other daughters said, well, you can't be Belle because you have brown skin. You can be Tiana instead. And I actually, I was, I would be honest, I was like frustrated and so angry because I, I don't want ever to allow my daughters to ever feel that way, like to ever allow someone else to make them feel that way, but never to put them that, that idea on themselves either. Like mm. I was just angry that my daughters could even think that. And so I, I remember I had to like give myself a few minutes just like, okay, like what would my husband want me to say? Because I can't be bad. I can't use my Batman voice because that's not going to get through my, through my, through to my daughters. And I knew yelling or using my Batman voice wasn't going to get through to my daughters. What I needed was to make sure that I had a softened heart and like used my kind voice so that they really understood how important this was. And so I finally gathered myself together and I just called them all down and told them like, Hey, can so can someone tell me or who said you can't be Belle because you have brown skin? And one of my girls, knowing what was going to happen, like they're about to get mommy lecture, slowly raised her hand. And, and I'm like, okay, why did you say that? And mm-hmm. she explained to me, she's like, Well, they don't match. Belle has like white skin and 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 my sister has brown skin. And I'm just like, I don't matters and I'm like it doesn't matter because princess are princesses your mommy's princess your daddy's princess I don't think it matters if you have brown skin or white skin anybody can be a princess I'm like do you know what it takes to be a princess and she's like well do you have pretty dresses and I'm like yeah but that's not it <laughs> sorry I'm just even getting emotional even talking about this but I was like to be a princess, it means that you care about people and you think about other people and put other people's before yourself. And you like how Belle was really sweet to the beast. That's what made her a princess. Mm. It wasn't she wore the pretty dresses. She loved to read. She was really smart. That's what made Belle a princess. I'm like, Badger is a princess because she is awesome at reading. Right? She loves reading and will just read all day. Like that's how Belle is like Badger. And I said, you know what, White Tiger, you're like Tiana. And I specifically used Tiana because I wanted her to understand. And like, you're like Tiana. Tiana loves to cook and you want to be a mommy and you're an awesome cook. You're always in the kitchen helping mommy. And so I'm like, and Cal is like Merida. Like Merida is so stubborn and so strong-willed and she never listens to her mom and dad. That's exactly like Cal. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, it does not matter if you match with these princesses, but like, you don't have to match with them by skin color. You can match with them with personality traits and characteristics and being nice and kind. And you can have all the pretty dresses. It doesn't have to be just about your skin color. And I try to put, you know, I try to let them know that all the time. And it's like, and I told them, and you don't have to just be a princess either. You can be a mom. You can choose not to be a mom. Mommy, be sad about that? Yes. But why decide not to be a mom? Yes. You can decide to work outside the home. You can decide to become a doctor. You can decide you can decide to be anything. And you're not going to let your skin color or you're not going to let anybody tell you that you can't do something because of your skin color. 
So you're not going to put that restriction on yourself and you're not going to let other people put that restriction. And I think my, I'm hoping my girls hear that and understand that. And I will continue to tell them that, but it, it's, it's just made me so frustrated because I wish I knew where they got it from and I don't. Mm, like where they heard it. No, but I, yeah. I, and, and it, I don't, and honestly, I don't think it matters where they heard it from because I'm realizing in the society that we live in now, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of unsaid, said. I mean, I think about how many uh, people of color princesses we have and how many white princesses we have. I mean, we have Tiana, we have Elena, you know, but I feel like we need more. And, and I, I know that they are doing more. I know like with the live action um, Little Mermaid, we have a black Little Mermaid and I'm so, so sick and excited about it because I had a, I had a follower who just said, I had the same thing too. I had the same conversation when a friend told my daughter she couldn't be a certain princess. And I told her, you know what you should do? You should have a princess. You should get all of your, your daughter's friends and you take them to the movie theater and you go see that live action and you be the first person to point out that Little Mermaid is black and don't say a word, just point and be like, look at that, look at that. Don't say a peep and have those girls understand that princesses can be any color and understand that just because they are black doesn't mean they can't be the other princesses because it's not just about skin color. And so I think they see it in society and they see it all around them. And I just want to make sure that I'm that mom. I'm that person that might let them know, nope, you can do it too. You can do it and you can, you can do it better and you can do just like them or, you know, and so it was a hard conversation to have and I still even get emotional thinking about it because I think it's just so hard as a mom to think about your daughters just putting limitations on themselves and 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 thinking like they put limitations on themselves and they can grow up to not, not do something that they're great at and be phenomenal at and what's the only thing that's stopping them is because they think it's because of their skin color because you know you I mean anyone knows a lot of the times there are a lot of you can do something and you could do great something great and and it's all in your mind that can the only thing that could stop you is like what's in your mind if you mm-hmm. you, you put that limitation on yourself so tell us about your kids names because you mentioned their names and I want to make sure everybody knows because you mentioned white tiger and badger and cow and I just want to hear about that oh yeah so we um kind of the history behind it is when my husband and I got married we we were just we were young, but also we were just so, we, we wanted to celebrate, like, we wanted to celebrate our kids, like, or ourselves being, like, an interracial couple, because we lived in a small southern town, lived in Eufaula, Alabama, which we got a lot of bad looks, and I wanted to celebrate the fact that we were an interracial couple, and so we don't find out the six of our kids when okay. we were pregnant. And, um, and so I didn't feel comfortable calling our baby, baby. Like I felt like we needed something. And so came up with a cute way of just nicknaming all of our kids after black and white animals. Okay. So we have Panda who was a first, he's our oldest, our son. Then we have Badger and she's our second. And then we have Cal who is our youngest. And then we have white tiger 
who is our adopted child. And then we ended up naming her White Tiger because when you normally think of tigers, you think of orange and black. And so that doesn't go with our whole theme. But with everything that White Tiger had gone through in her life, with all the trauma and everything, I, she she's so strong and she's always so happy and resilient. I wanted a really, really strong name or nickname for her. Like she's the only child that I've gotten to know before I gave her a nickname while the other kids, I gave them their nicknames as soon as we found out we were pregnant. And so I'm like, well, this is my only opportunity that I get to know my child and give her a really fierce and cute nickname that matches not only her personality, but everything that she's gone through. And so I wanted to give her Tiger, but Tiger obviously doesn't go with the whole theme. And so we, I ended up doing research and found that there are um, black and white tigers and they're called white tigers. And so we get a lot of, it's crazy because we get a lot of flack for it. We get a lot of comments huh. who are you shouldn't name your daughter white tiger. That's wrong. And I think, well, you don't have an issue with our other kids nicknames. Like, and that's all based on the fact that their mom and dad are black and white. I think uh-huh. the issue is the fact that it's her name is white tiger and she's white. Yeah. But she is white. That's not bad that she's white. It's just like, I am black. I would want someone to call me black. I, I am that. And so it's really weird. We get a lot of people saying negative things about it, but like I tell them, it's a nickname. It's not her official name. She has a beautiful Christian name. <laughs> we have a beautiful, she has a beautiful, beautiful name and, um, but it's her nickname and, and it's what we've decided we're her parents. And so, yes, I love it. So, okay. So those are all nicknames, but that's what you call your kids like on Instagram and stuff. You go by nicknames. Yeah, it's just on Instagram, on social media. Okay. I'm, I'm, I want to keep like somewhat of a, like, yeah, yeah. Just comfort and I want some kind of privacy. And so I don't change their names. Um, but yeah, we, it's just on social media. I don't really call them that. I, um, I call them by their names or, and I do have probably, I love nicknames. So I probably do have um, a bunch of nicknames. So like even some of my kids, I call them stinker butts or bears. <laughs> or, and so I love nicknames, but those names are just, was just a way to kind of um, be able for people that are, so it wasn't just calling her, Hey, you like, you know, or one of my children and wanted to sometimes be specific. And those nicknames were just the names that I picked for each of my kids when they were born. I think it's so fun and I love that you own it and that's what you guys do. That is your family and that is what you do. I Mm -hmm. love it so much. Talk to us about, I know you've talked about doing therapy with your daughter once you adopted her and how that has been super life-changing and helpful for your own family. Sometimes I think people are scared of therapy. Um, They're scared that there's a stigma to therapy. They, um, They don't want to spend the time on it. So mm-hmm. just share with us your experience. Um, so we did a, so we actually waited about five or six months before we put her in therapy. And the reason for that was just because we wanted, before we got in this whole schedule of taking her to therapy every week, we wanted her to, we wanted to get to know her and understand like, uh, and for her to get to know us as well. But also too, we didn't want to just, um, just like throw it into it. So we waited about a couple months before we um, did um, therapy, but we took her to a child therapist and she did play therapy, which is what I would suggest any um, 
uh, parents who have adopted with young children, it was awesome because our child, when she started therapy, she was about three. Yeah, she was three. And there was a lot of things that she didn't know how to express. And play therapy was just a way for us to understand certain things that she was going through because, like, what kid doesn't like to play? But kids, they express things through their playing with their dolls and stuff like that. And so it was just awesome just to see what was going through her head. And it was just so easy. And one of the things that I can definitely say is I can't, like, she's, we're still learning a lot through therapy for our daughter. And so I can't say too much for her because I feel like we're still learning a lot. But for me, therapy helped me a lot because there were there were things that she was going through I, could, I couldn't understand. I just didn't understand. She was, our daughter is probably the most emotional out of all children. Things, are, things get to her. She, a lot more easily than my other kids. And she cries a little bit more because that is pretty much like usually her first um, reaction to things. She cries a lot. And I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why that was her first emotion to everything. And our therapist helped me understand why she reacted to certain things, made me understand what was going through her mind. But better yet was that she helped me understand what I could do to help her get through it. And that was probably my favorite thing about it because obviously I already knew the issues that we were having, right? And I think this is with all adopted children, like even if they're born really young, uh, if they're born into like, I mean, if even if they were sent to their adoptive family at a really young age or at birth, all adopted children usually have some type of trauma, either as they get older, when they start realizing and like wanting to understand things or just somewhere in their life, they end up with trauma. And, and therapy helps them so much. But I don't think a lot of people talk about adoptive parents needing therapy because being a parent is hard, mm. right? But being a parent to a child that has dealt with trauma is extremely hard as well. And I didn't want to be another, I didn't want to be another person who would, who would be hurting my child because I didn't understand. I wanted mm. to make sure that I was giving the right resources and to be put in the right mental state to understand what my daughter was going through. And so a doc, like a therapy helped her as well, but it really, really, really helped me. And I felt like it helped me bond with her a lot because like when I realized like, okay, she's dealing with anxiety. These are the games that we can help play with anxiety. These are the things that I can do to help her calm down her anxiety it helped me bond with her because at first I, I was so frustrated. Like it's like a mom who's just had the baby and their baby's crying all the time. Mm. You can't connect and you can't bond with that child because you're not being able to have those little moments. It's not, you're not having those little moments when you see your baby smile at you because your baby's always crying or you're always feeling stressed. And I didn't want that. I didn't want our, I wanted so badly to bond with her and I knew therapy was going to be that thing that helped us. And it did help us. Like, after a couple months, like, I felt like we were having moments, and, it, like, I would see her smile at me or wink at me, and they were, like, or she would have a day where it was really, really hard, and I remember getting down to her level and talking through her with something, and, and then us playing a game that I knew would help her, and, and then afterwards, just seeing her get up and, like, rock it, like, you, where there were times where she 
if something got, you know got to her or she started remembering something or something from her trauma just kind of brought things like if she started regressing I remember those would last for weeks or months and then with like therapy and then us giving us having the tools that we needed those regressions started getting shorter and smaller and and we were able to communicate and be able to talk and it was just like it was just mind-blowing because then all of a sudden I was able I really was feeling like oh my goodness like we can do like not that I didn't feel like we could do this but I'm like we can get through this we this is not going to be something that is just going to be like oh okay this is you know we were actually just going through it I don't know yeah and so therapy has been like one of the things that I anyone who asked me what's the best advice that you know for adopting a child and I tell them you as a couple, as a parent, you go through therapy so you know how to help your child and then have your child go through therapy as well because um, there were things that my daughter wouldn't tell me because she felt like she was um, betraying me because she would talk about her uh, biological parents. Mm. And, and I didn't know that. I, didn't, I had no idea. Mm. I just thought, oh, I made it very clear that you could talk about your parent. You, like, we're both people, we're both parents, both of her, she has two sets of parents that love her, and I've said that from the beginning, but she felt like she was betraying me, mm-hmm. and I did, and I, I, there was no way I would have known that if it wasn't for therapy, and so there's so much, so much that you can learn, and so much um, insight, insight, self-insight that you can get from um, going through therapy, and so, yeah, that's the first thing I'll, that's the first advice I'll tell any adoptive parents. One other thing I wanted to point out that I, I read from your, your Instagram that I just loved is I'm just going to read it too. So yeah. um, I don't say it wrong. The most important thing I'm teaching my children is that it's okay to say, I don't know. Let me look into it and I'll get back to you on how I feel about that. And I mm-hmm. love that because I think as parents, so many times we want to just like have the answer. You know, our kids ask us a question. We're 20, 30, 40 years older than them. Like we should have the answer, but we just like, do you ever feel, I, sometimes I feel like, am I really an adult? Like how do, you know, I don't know all the answers. (laughs) Um, my son was laying in bed with me just today and he, he was talking about me being an adult and I was just laying there like, Sometimes I feel like, how did I even get here? You know, <laughs> I'm never going to know all the answers. So anyway, can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so my husband, he is in management and he hires a lot of people and he'll intentionally ask questions that he knows that they don't know the answer to. Mm. And I, both in him and I have always felt like the smartest people. I've always been the people who are like, I don't know about that. I can tell you my opinions about that, or I can tell you my thoughts, but let me do some research into that and then get back to you. Because there's something really beautiful about someone expressing, like, we all know those people who feel like they're a know-it-all. They they know all the answers and they've done the, the research, right? Or they say they've done the research and then they'll give you your opinion. And then you go back and you find out like, huh, that's not right. Or, and they don't, you end up seeing them in a different way. But I think there's something really beautiful about saying, I don't know about that. Let me learn more about that. Let's learn about it together. Or you teach me and then let me form an opinion about that. Because I think we live in a time that people, a lot of people are just are so quick to make a decision so quickly on like very little information. And I want my kids to, one, not only love to learn, but just to le- realize like, hey, you're always going to be learning about new things. 
and you don't have to feel like you're the you know everything right just be willing to always learn new things and tell people that like i'm learning something new or hey i just heard you talk about this i don't know enough about that can you explain more about that to me because that's the only way you're ever really going to learn if you're always acting like you know everything then you're never going to open your heart to really want to learn about something and i never want my kids to just feel like oh i already know everything so i don't need to learn more you're never going to grow that way you're never going to no one's ever going to look at you and feel like they can be comfortable about telling you something because I just think when you're open about learning and you express that, that other people can feel comfortable about you and then you can learn from other people. And so, yeah, my kids, they, they, I tell them that a lot. I don't know the answer. Let's Google it. Let's let's Alexa, let's go to the library. Let's go find a book about it. All right, let's let's learn it all together. Hey, do you want to watch a YouTube video? I think we just learned about Queen Nzinga we're doing black history and I had no idea about her so I told my kids all right we're about to learn we're doing black history for the next 30 minutes and today we're learning about Queen Nzinga and I'm learning with you because I've never heard about her that's so and cool so videos together and and it was so cool learning about this woman who was their first um country in Africa who was she she worked with Portugal and she was um she's a threat to them like they were very threatened by this woman who is the queen of, of this country in Africa. And they were like, I mean, they even tried to get her to sit at their feet. And she had one of her, um, she had one of her people's like kneel on the, like not kneel on the floor, but like get on all fours. And she sat on their back just so she could be equal because they didn't set chairs for her. And I'm like, hey, this is so cool. I had no idea about this. And my kids were like, this is so cool. Mommy, this is so cool. I love Black history. And so it, I think learning together has made my kids look like love learning. And then they also realize like, mommy doesn't know any uh, everything. Maybe if she doesn't know about this, maybe she'll want to learn with me too. And so it's all about learning and growing in our family. And as I don't want to ever have my kids to make them think like I know more than them, because one, that's not true. Because there are things that my kids teach me every day. I mean, I learn about Power Rangers and bugs and animals. And like my daughter went on this kick as she was learning about pollution and about how like, pollution harming the earth and she taught me things that I, I didn't even know about and so I think when we have a home that we're all learning learning and in love love together and we're all like telling each other like I don't know about this we're learning together I think it just makes it a home where it's just a home that more my kids are just more willing to learn to I'm saying this completely wrong but I guess what I'm trying to say is when we have a home like this then my kids are more willing to learn because they feel they feel like they can learn and that, that everyone's learning together and it's not just, oh, I'm little and I don't know how to do this. Okay, well, I feel like we could learn so much from you and I am so thankful that you have shared a little bit about your story. Let's wrap up with some end of the podcast um, questions. What is the best, most recent book you've read? Okay, so I just read this book called Motherhood So White. And it is, I found this book through one of um, this page that I follow and it's called Fabulous Moms. Uh, and it's all 
black women who have adopted. And so there's this mom who is a black mom who wrote this book about just being a black mother. And I've been learning so much like from it. And I don't remember the author, just I feel bad that I don't remember. We'll the link author. it in the show notes. Okay. And it was it was just it was just it's so insightful. And it's probably the one book that I have been recommending to a lot of um, transracial adoptive mothers who have adopted like black children because I, I've like I thought it so insightful and so I was just like oh my goodness like just I've only been a mother for eight years and so this mother has been a mother for way longer than that and and it was just it was just so awesome just to read her words and so yeah motherhood so white it's been motherhood like, so white motherhood yeah motherhood so white okay What's a book you recommend? What's one of your favorite books that your kids are reading right now? Oh, um, I'm trying to think. Okay, so my oldest son, he is like a reading machine, and he has been super interested in the Magic Treehouse books. Okay. And though those books are awesome, where I'm actually trying to, he is obsessed with Magic Treehouse, and so I'm um, trying to slowly integrate Tristan Strong. Um, that is a book by uh, an African-American writer who um, the lead um, person in the book is African-American as well. And so that is a book that I'm hoping to get my son interested in. But the Magic Treehouse book, it just has so much imagination and so much history in it. And I think that's why he loves it, because I think my son is like a low key. He's going to be like a Ross Geller when he gets older, just mm. interested in like well, I think that's wrong. I don't think Ross Geller was interested in history. I think he was just interested in dinosaurs. But I think <laughs> my version of him about history, and he just loves reading about history. And so Magic Treehouse books has been like the thing. And then my girls, uh, they just, any princess books, they've been reading a lot of Disney princesses books. And we get them like every month where we get the, their level and they just read all the Disney princesses books. Do you have like a subscription for those or do you get them at the library? No, we, okay, so my mother-in-law is awesome. I want to give out a shout out to her because she gets, she has like this monthly subscription that's sent to our home. Oh, and, cool. And it's just like the Disney books where they're usually about like 20 to 30 pages and they go through the movie or go through the book, but we get like four of them sent to our house each and it's month. it's for their reading level. It's for their le- reading level, and, and the, my kids love it because they're like, oh, we got new books, and they call, like, thanks, Mimi. They call oh. back. They love it, but then they get all the Disney movies. Uh, not Disney movies. They get all the Disney books, and they just read those. And then and now we have this huge library of, like, Disney books, including with all their other books. But I don't think there's ever too much Disney. I mean, my husband might say differently, but <laughs> That there's too much Disney. And so me and my mother-in-law are trying to bombard our husband with like my husband with a lot of Disney stuff. I love it. Okay, Gina, what's your one message to send to the audience? What do you want them to walk away from this conversation with? Um, I think if I could have them walk away with one thing is, uh, I guess two things is I want them to realize like you don't have to match to be, be a family. Um, I think that's one of the things I've been teaching my kids the last three years is that you don't have to match to be um, family that we, I feel like we love as hard as other families. We, we, we have fun. We travel just as much as other families. And so um, I think when, if you are 
ever grocery shopping and you see another family that doesn't match, then maybe just think that they could be like a family like mine that has adopted or and not automatically, I just don't want them to automatically assume that, oh, that person is just nannying because I think that mm-hmm. has been the because even no matter if I'm with my white daughter or with my biracial children, um, to hear someone say, hey, are you nannying or babysitting is the most hurtful thing. Because you're like, oh, that's my children. I love them. I kiss their boo-boos. I have to wake up early with them. I have to hold their hair up when they're throwing up or have a stomach ache and, and hold them close when it, or when there's crazy thunder. They're in my bed. I'm their mother. And so I want them to realize that um, you don't have to match to be a family. But I also want them to open their heart and just get information about adoption. Um, I think there's so many uh, misinformation on how expensive adoption is or how it's only for certain families. I, I think if you just get, I, if you end up finding that it's not for you, that's okay. Because like I said before, adoption is not for everyone. But I would love for you to just get the right information and then talk to your spouse about it and then just see. Just talk about it because I think if more families just even just had the conversation about adoption, I think there might be a little bit more families that were uh, adopting and that there would be less children in the, in the system. And so um, I, I think just get information about adoption and see if, you know, see if it could be for you. And if it's not, that's okay. But I think at least that you, at least you knew that you got the information and started having the conversation about it. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you, Lindsay. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Gina, for sharing your amazing story and being such a great advocate for adoption in this world. You can find Gina on Instagram. She is J-E-E-N-A Wilder over there. You can find us on Instagram. We are Why Is Everyone Yelling? And we also have a Facebook page as well. I would love to connect with you over there. Thank you so much for being here. Have a really great rest of your day and we will see you next week.